1: Well, hello, Chadville. Welcome to Wednesday. hope you're having a great day. It's Jalen Nye. Andrew is away this week. He'll be back on Monday. Um, it's 2.05. want to get right to it this afternoon. And it's something that we've all been watching, especially over the past 24 hours. The fallout, the downplaying, and the concern. It continues today, 24 hours after U.S. President Donald Trump issued an extraordinary ultimatum to North Korea, warning not to make any more threats against the U.S. North Korea
0: best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. He has been very threatening uh, beyond a normal statement. And as I said, they will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. Thank you.
1: That was U.S. President Donald Trump speaking yesterday. Now, North Korea has says it is carefully examining a missile strike on the U.S. Pacific territory of Guam with a closer look at this uh, growing tension between the U.S. and North Korea. We're joined by Bob Murray, a political scientist and the managing director of Dentons Canada. Hi, Bob. All right, It's great to have you back on the show. It's been a while.
0: Indeed, thanks for having me.
1: Now, let's um, start with this: your initial reaction to what you heard yesterday. I guess on on both sides, uh, what went through your mind?
0: Uh, unsurprising for the rhetoric from North Korea. Uh a little surprised by the comments by President Donald Trump, just by virtue of the fact that it's not necessarily surprising to hear a harder line coming out of the Trump administration. Uh, Mr. Trump has been incredibly clear from day one about the North Korean regime and the fact that he Mm -hmm. wanted to take a very different approach to it. But it was the nature of the language that was used in the statement that you just played uh, is an incredible departure from typical international diplomatic language, which is really what got so many people interested and, and frankly worried. Beyond that, uh, in that statement, Mr. Trump issued an ultimatum, which Mm -hmm. is that North Korea shall not threaten the United States again. And very shortly after, North Korea did exactly that to test exactly the resolve of Mr. Trump. So it begs questions about uh, whether or not Mr. Trump is effectively using the U.S. deterrent uh, and what the actual U.S. administration strategy is about the North Korean nuclear issue.
1: And I wanted to ask you about that because yesterday when he made the comments, everyone today or a lot of people in the know are saying that uh, the comment wasn't carefully vetted. It was certainly off script. He was actually... um, uh, uh, giving a, a news conference talking about the o- opioid crisis in the United States. So today they're saying, quote, the comment wasn't carefully vetted. Don't read too much into it, but that exactly what you said, it under but those comments undermine the deterrence. Uh, of it all. So so what happens from here, Bob?
0: Well, I, the the diplomatic system is going to kick in and the U.S. State Department is going to start working towards trying to effect some kind of solution. One of the most important things that the State Department of the U.S. is doing today and the White House is doing is reassuring U.S. allies uh, that the U.S. will bring them along in its North Korea strategy to make sure that those allies that rely on U.S. protection in the region, most notably South Korea and Japan, have U.S. support, that there's no radical departure from previous policy. We saw Secretary of State Rex Tillerson start to talk back some of the inflammatory rhetoric and stopped in Guam to provide reassurance. And so uh, you have two stages right now. First of all, is trying to calm people down from their reactions to the president's comments. And secondly, the administration has to start making some kind of headway based on where North Korea seems to want to take this situation. But one of the key elements of deterrence is credibility. And when you have a U.S. president that, you know, uh, speaks off the cuff and, and shoots from the hip, it becomes incredibly difficult to take that deterrent seriously, and to mm-hmm. take those comments seriously. And one of the most important lessons of international diplomacy is to know that every word matters. And that's why words are so carefully vetted before they are put in a <laughs> president's hand or they go out into the media to make sure that what's being communicated diplomatically uh, reflects the position of an administration and allies have been consulted. In this case, it doesn't seem like that. That was that was uh, done.
1: Bob Murray joining us this afternoon. Does um, the U.S. have a North Korean strategy?
0: Well, w- this is one of the questions that we're all asking at this point, which is so. Mr. Trump is quite correct to note that for over 30 years, there have been, there's been bipartisan failure on North Korea, regardless of mm-hmm. Democrat, Republican administration. Uh, clearly, no solution seems to have been adequate to prevent the development of nuclear weapons technology in North Korea and in dissuading the regime from making the threats that it's making. And so, uh, if you're going to take some kind of different strategy, what does that strategy look like? What we do know is that any strategy dealing with North Korea has to involve U.S. allies, and it also has to involve russia and china we know that russia and china voted on the new round of sanctions on a 15 nothing u.n security council vote very recently so there is support for a harder line stance towards north korea as north korea seems interested to escalate but what i think caught people most off guard is that the u.s took it another level and tried to escalate through the president's words. So it's a matter of talking that escalation down, calming down the parties and seeking to find a solution and actually making progress on something that multiple administrations have failed on for over 30 years.
1: Yeah, and, and why the failure for 30 years? What's happened over this time with North Korea that's allowed this to continue to build and build and build? Has there just not been the political will to do anything?
0: Well, there's, uh, there's political will certainly to not want to see North Korea develop nuclear weapons, but to actually prevent that from happening, that window is long past. And yeah. um, you know, there's also an, an incredible reliance on Beijing anytime, and China anytime you're dealing with the North Korean regime. So many of the potential solutions also have to involve uh, China's willingness to go along with U.S.-led solutions or Western-led solutions. Uh, and beyond that, it's, it's the failure of certain nuclear Nuclear agreements to prevent the development of other technology that in time have come back to haunt the U.S. and haunt the haunt all of us right now as we're having this kind of discussion. And this is also speaks to the stakes involved in the debates that we see around the Iran nuclear deal and the Trump administration's hostility towards that deal, which is what the Trump administration has been saying is what we're seeing in North Korea is quite likely what we will see in Iran if bad hmm. agreements are lived up to or not improved. Uh, so now that we see what's happening in North Korea, the question then becomes for Mr. Trump and his administration, what is it that you are going to propose to do differently that is going to actually tangibly make some progress in dissuading future development of technology and to somehow deal with the existing technology that's already been developed? That's an incredibly complex question.
1: Yeah, Bob, uh, some people texting in this afternoon wondering why North Korea would target or point out and say, OK, this is Guam, this is where we'll go, this is what you know where we're going to target. Uh, it's probably the, mainly about the American military presence there, right?
0: American military presence and also geographical proximity. Uh, Bear bear in mind, a lot of the the missile tests that we've seen thus far uh, from North Korea, while they brag about certain capabilities of reaching the U.S. continent, a lot of it has to do with what they would tangibly think they would be able to actually reach within geographical proximity.
1: Okay. Um, Some are saying that this has the potential to become, quote, a modern-day version of the Cuban missile crisis. Your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, I think a lot of it depends on the U.S. administration's next steps. If the intention of the administration is to continue escalation, uh, you know, while we saw Secretary of State Tillerson talk back some comments, we saw Secretary mm-hmm. of Defense Mattis come out and make some pretty clear statements that the U.S. administration is fed up with the North Korean regime and that things need to change. Where we go from here is to, to test the diplomatic work that's going to simultaneously be undertaken behind the scenes to see exactly how far that mm-hmm. can take us. Um, the and also the North Korean regime's willingness to to deal and actually engage in diplomatic conversation and where this can possibly go. I don't think that it is a near reality that we're going to see a Cuban Missile Crisis 2.0. However, (laughs) I think it's important to bear in mind that a lot of it depends on calculation and the possibility of miscalculation. And so much of what we saw in the Cuban Missile Crisis had more to do with a lack of communication, uh, misperception, and miscalculation on the parts of both sides as to the intentions of what each side was trying to do. So the most important thing to prevent that from happening at this point, and at any point, frankly, is dialogue and diplomacy and letting the the diplomatic, international diplomatic regime take hold and actually try to find uh, at least progress towards some kind of solution in the short term to de-escalate and trying to move forward about new, uh, North Korea's nuclear program. So who
1: gets tapped for, for that job, the diplomacy side of it, Bob?
0: Well, a lot of that will fall to the U.S. State Department. The White House, of course, will have to be incredibly involved. Uh, there's likely to be involvement of intermediaries and U.S. regional allies as well that have a vested interest in seeing where this is going to go. Uh, but ultimately, the U.S. Department of State and the White House are going to bear an enormous part of that responsibility to get allies working in tandem and to try to seek those solutions and coordinate the different opportunities uh, and assets that are available to them.
1: All right. Bob Murray from Dentons, Canada, the managing director there, joining us this afternoon, talking about North Korea. And uh, the United States, Bob. Great to talk to you again. Thank you for this. Thank you. All right. Thank you for joining us. It's two fifteen on the six thirty Ched afternoon news. Um, as you know, the, the, you know, that quote's been the, the quote from President Trump has been playing over and over again over the past uh, twenty four hours or so. Uh, we do know. That there have uh, has been uh, other comments coming in as well. Uh, Rex Tillerson, uh, U.S. Secretary of State Tillerson, urging calm, saying he doesn't believe there is any imminent threat and that Americans should sleep well at night. Um, Here was, you know, when you look at the breakdown uh, a little bit yesterday, there was an article by an analyst um, today that was talking about. Uh, President Trump and and those comments yesterday um, and the uh, the addition of um, like they haven't seen before like the world has never seen and that is a comment that is a little bit of a tagline that he tends to use in a lot of conversations when he's trying to explain things and put a little bit more pressure so there was some question about um, you know if he had just stopped at fire and fury would we be at this heightened sense right now that we are, but, you know, uh, Fire and Fury, like the world has never seen, um, elevated it w- a little bit more? Uh, your thoughts on this? Um, all of a sudden, you know, you start to think about, um, you know, maybe you, you living through that Cuban Missile Crisis, I know, in the early 80s, um, me and my friends, we worried about uh, Russia, and there was always this this concern. Um, I, I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this. Text me at 630-630. Um, we're going to keep moving on today, but uh, yeah, some tough talking. It's, and on both sides, it's um, sometimes just like two boys just trying to figure out who has the bigger, you know, and... Gosh, I hope the truck yeah, <laughs> yeah, the bigger red truck. Um and uh you know, gosh, I hope it doesn't get the the world in in trouble, but uh hopefully we will see some diplomacy. We will see some uh some talks as difficult as those could possibly be um and working towards de-escalating what right now seems to be um uh, have a lot of people on edge. It is a 220. We've been talking about uh US uh the US and North Korea and the uh the uh, the rhetoric going back and forth between uh, both uh, the president and Kim jong-un and uh, you know where that where that leads us uh, we've heard that US Secretary of State Rex Tillerson urging calm saying he doesn't believe there's any imminent threat and that the Americans should sleep well at night um, US Senator John McCain not a not a fan of the president's reaction to uh, the news that North Korea may have successfully produced a nuclear warhead that can fit inside its uh, missiles um, Corbin Carson had this report with uh, comments from Senator McCain.
0: The president reacted, threatening North Korea with fire and fury. U.S. Senator John McCain. I take exception to the president's comments because you've got to be sure that you can do what you say you're going to do. Right. In other words, uh, the old walk softly but carry a big stick. McCain says those kinds of words just bring us closer to confrontation. I don't believe that President Reagan or President Eisenhower or other presidents that I've admired would have said the same thing. They might have done as much as we could, but not that kind of rhetoric. I'm not sure how it helps. Corbin Carson, ABC News, Phoenix.
1: And comments from U.S. Senator John McCain this afternoon. Keep your texts coming in at 6:30. 6:30. Get to them in a moment. Uh, report out of Bridgewater, New Jersey today in the uh, New York Times. Uh, saying, yeah, and, and as I mentioned, it was an improvised comment, which is now being downplayed, which questions, you know, uh, deterrent. Uh, but as they were saying, that there was a piece of paper in, in front of uh, the U.S. president at this news conference he was having yesterday at his uh, New Jersey golf resort. But that piece of paper was a fact sheet on the opioid crisis that he had actually had come to talk about. Um yeah, <laughs> you know, off-the-cuff comments doesn't matter. I guess if you're a you're a radio host, uh, you, you drive truck, or you're the president of the United States, can get you into trouble, as we all know. But what I think it has done for a number of people is uh, for a lot of us to go search out where where the hell's Guam, and and what's going what's going on there. Um, yep. In the Western Pacific, roughly the size of Chicago, six kilometers wide at its narrowest point, about uh, 3,500 kilometers southeast of North Korea, closer than it is to any of the uh, United States. Hawaii, about 6,500 kilometers to the west. It was claimed by Spain in 1565 and became a U.S. territory in 1898 during the Spanish-American War. Now, Japan had seized it for a couple of years during World War II, and then in 1950, an act of Congress made in uh, unincorporated organized territory of the United States. It has self limited self-government with a popularly um, elected governor, small legislature, and a non-voting delegate in the U.S. House of Representatives. Your text coming in uh, this afternoon. Hey, if I was planning on attacking Guam, I wouldn't say I was going to attack Guam. Uh, Knowing Trump, he'll probably send Dennis Rodman. A lot of the memes and little comments going around right now is like, where's Dennis Rodman when you need him? Um, If Kim Jong-un should end up with a bullet in his head, is the next leader in line just as crazy? Good question. And this one says, i blah, blah, blah. Donald Trump has followed through on most of what he says. We expect the same with this. And most likely, he made the comments because of what top military has told him about the situation. Well, that's one person's opinion. Uh, Obama totally dropped the ball regarding the uh, hermit kingdom's nuclear aspirations, and he signed up Iran for the same bit of business. And you know what, Rob, Bob Murray talked about that. Um, and yeah, and about um, the the, uh, the past 30 years and, and what has happened and what has allowed things to happen in North Korea. Um, from Barhead, I hope Donald Trump eliminates the North Korean regime. If all of this ra- rides from Killam, good point. If all of this rides on mature resolve between Trump and Kim, we're all bleeped. You know what he's saying. From Camrose, this reminds me of the Watchman graphic novel, really great commentary on the threat of nuclear war and the tensions of the Cold War. Didn't think about it pertaining to now again, though. It gives a different point of view. Trump is fantastic. I'd make North Korea a parking lot, says Adam. And then someone else says uh, North Korea is a nice distraction from the Democrats' corruption investigation, but I guess that's not news. Probably one of the biggest scandals. Uh, Andrew Breitbart said it best before he was murdered. If all media matters, themes pushing that your sentence didn't finish there, just so you know. Um, Yeah, so, you know, and I know that we have a number of Trump supporters that listen to this show. We have a number of people who are sick and tired of Donald Trump and uh, worried about that administration. Again, keep Reading, keep reading and, and uh, learning and investigating. Uh, there was a tra- text that came in here that came in here from Peggy Jay Lynn, I'm so tired about hearing the, of the blandishments of Donald Trump. You're so right. They're two little boys. How about some other topics? Gamma Bryan says everybody has to remember that Korea is still an active war zone, as there is uh, an assigned truce. The war was actually never ended. <sighs> Lots to come on this one over the coming days, to say the least. So we'll be watching this. We uh, we hit it, uh, you know, we decided to talk about it right off the top because I know you've probably been talking about it, thinking about it. We've been hearing about it on the news throughout the day. And we'll continue to hear more uh, throughout the day. But there's a lot of really great uh, news articles out there, if you want to uh, to read, and certainly on the 6:30 uh, Ched Facebook page as well. Um, Peggy, you're right. We're going to switch gears just a little bit uh, here. Um, as I mentioned, Andrew will be back next week. Today on the show, going to talk to Morley at 5:20. Didn't get to talk to him yesterday. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Eskimos-Ottawa game tomorrow. He, um, he was um, traipsing through Ottawa, the nation's capital, this morning, uh, putting some beautiful shots up on Facebook. We're going to talk about the Derek Saretsky trial. Sentencing was today. I think we finally got it right. We got it right on this one. Life is life. Sentenced to 75 years in jail. What do you think about that? I'm saying, good job, Justice. Good job, Justice Tillerson. Good job on the jury who went through that all. And if I remember correctly, they're the ones that supported that as well. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll hear from both sides. And at 3 o'clock, it's time to check our personal finances. Kelly Keene is going to join us in studio. and. found an article that it, it's called 50 personal finance tips that will change the way you think about money. So we're going to go through some of them. And as always, you can ask her questions. She's a personal finance expert, um, best-selling author, you name it. But we're going to uh, talk to her at three o'clock. So really looking forward to that. She's going to sit with us uh, for a full hour as well. You can get a hold of me anytime at four nine six zero zero. 6 3. Excited about this as well. You guys know that um, the Folk Festival starts tomorrow. Um, Not going, actually, believe it or not, uh, I've never been to the Folk Festival. Really? No, I've got a thing about big crowds. I was just going to ask because most people who haven't gone to events like that. It's a crowd issue. And And, that's exactly what it is. Fair enough. Crowds can be hard to handle. Yeah. It just, I get a little, a little anxious with it all. A little claustrophobic with it. Yeah. Yeah, Having said that. I understand that. that. Having said that, two of my newest favorite artists are playing at the Folk Festival this week. So I have to admit, I don't even know who's playing this because I'm not going. So sometimes if I'm not going somewhere, I don't absorb who's Anderson East is playing love him. He's dating Miranda Lambert, but I love, love his music. And Leon Bridges. Okay. And I'm not... No, and so you're shaking your head and going, uh-uh, I'm not sure. But we're going to play some Leon Bridges. Okay. We'll play some Anderson East today. Um, and it, uh, tell me if you don't love the sound of these two guys. Leon takes you back to a different time, different space, different era. It's um, It's almost like listening... Like fifties, sixties at times, and Anderson East just has such a great voice. So uh, we'll we'll play some of them. We'll talk about the folk music festival, um, finances. We'll talk about the Derek Saretsky trial coming up as well. Stick around.
0: The six thirty Chad afternoon news with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross weekdays at two on six
1: thirty Chad.